You are listening to a sermon brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. I pray that this sermon will bless you and teach you something new today. And you can find a link to our website in the info. Check it out and shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you. So in continuing, last week we talked about how to pray. We broke down what it should look like in your personal prayer life and what corporate prayer looks like and what your personal prayer looks personal prayer should look like. Uh, it was a good sermon. Like I said, if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it. It will transform the way that you pray if you haven't really had that um, piece of scripture broken down like that before. Um, but in moving forward from prayer, you know, I kind of just felt like the best transition next would be, so how do we get from prayer and healthy prayer to the next step? How do we move on from having a healthy prayer life into what Christ is asking for us, what Christ is asking from us? And it really just comes to the first thing that I thought of was scripture. In order to move from what God has, where God has you now into where God wants you, you need to be in the word. And so I'm going to start out before I get into the the body of my sermon. I just want to beg you guys. I'm pleading with you. I'm asking you pretty, 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 please get in your Bibles, read scripture. If you haven't read it from beginning to end, do it. Even if you don't retain, you don't feel like you retain anything, read it all the way through once, and then you can go back and study portions read your Bible all the way through at least once. Because the problem is in today's society in America, you guys are going to be bombarded with truth, lies, and half-truths. And how can we really assess what is truth, what is a true statement versus what is a lie, let alone a half-truth in which Satan tries to add a little bit of truth so it's Uh, It comes off as right, and you're like, oh, that sounds right. That sounds logical. But in reality, it is 100% based in a lie. How can you decide what's truth and what's not if you aren't, if you don't have your foundation built in something that is built upon truth? The Bible is really one of the only things in this world that is 100% built upon truth. And so we have to be in our Bibles reading scripture, figuring out a baseline to live our lives so that when we are bombarded with those half-truths, we can decipher them immediately on the spot, figure out what's true, what's not, and move on and not give any kind of footing, any kind of um, groundwork to the enemy. The second thing I ask you to do is while you are reading your Bible, have the mindset before you even start reading Approach it as, this thing is really real. These, uh, these stories really happened. This is real life. Jesus really did die on the cross. Jesus really did rise again. He really did do all of these miracles within this scripture. And approach it as an actual truth and not just a historical document that you might benefit from. Because when you look at it as being truth, what you are given, the pieces of information you are giving, have a little bit of different effect on you when you approach it firsthand, believing this is truth. When you consciously take a step back and go, this is truth, before you even start reading, you'll read it a little bit differently, at least I do. Because scripture even warns that in the end times, there's a lot of people that do believe we are in the end times, 
I don't really have an opinion on that. But it says in the end times, even in the pulpits, just like I'm preaching to you, just like I'm speaking to you, in the pulpits, there will be wolves whose intention is to lead you astray. How can you decipher what even I say is true or not true if your foundation isn't in the Bible? If your foundation and your faith is built upon my sermons and I lead you astray, man, of course I'm responsible for that, but you're responsible too. You've got to have your foundation built in scripture, built in a relationship with God, and not solely built on sermons. Because as I said, in the end times, scripture warns us there will be wolves in the pulpit purposefully trying to lead you astray. And so that's why I challenge every single solitary one of my sermons, I challenge you to check it up in scripture. Make sure that what I'm saying is true. Don't take my word for it. Take the Bible's word for it. Because if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't ever purposefully put in false information, but I'm a human being. I'm, I'm fallible. I might say something wrong from a pulpit. But at the same time, I'm not saying discredit everything I say. I'm saying check everything I say in with Scripture. There's two big differences. Uh, it's attitude. Because when we take the time and we actually read the Bible and we start off, uh, we build our foundation based off of what the truth is, the real truth is, and we approach it as being 100% true, and we ask the Holy Spirit to guide us in our reading, to help teach us what we're learning, to help teach us throughout the day, even after we're done learning, ask the Holy Spirit to solidify what we have read and to teach us new things within Scripture. When we take that time and we put forward that effort, you'll start to realize your life will change. The way you behave begins to change. Your ideals begin to change. Your thought process begins to change. Everything in your life begins to change. You stop screwing up. You stop getting stuck in those habitual sins that we all struggle with sometimes. You stop that, tradi or that, that pattern of sin. Those struggles you have with gossip or pride or lust. Man, as you begin doing this more regularly, your pattern and your thought process begins to shift more towards a godly uh, thought process and away from a worldly one. It is worth your time and your investment to take time out of every single solitary day and get in the word. As I said right off the bat, that's not my sermon, but I'm begging you and I'm pleading with you. Seriously, take the time to read your Bibles. I think if I did a show of hands, I'm not doing a show of hands, but if I did a show of hands in here and asked how many of you guys have not read your Bible, I bet you'd be surprised that the vast majority of you have never read, read your Bible all the way through. I personally don't think that's okay. So I want to encourage you guys, man, read your Bible all the way through, beginning to finish. Read them. Read it. Take the time. Put in the effort. Like I said, even if you don't feel like you're getting it out, out of anything out of it, put forward the effort and actually read. Okay. I'm done begging. I'm done pleading. We're going to move into the sermon. <clears throat> so, on May 22nd, 1987, I was born. 
It was easily the most traumatic event of my life. I was evicted. I was slapped. It was horrible. It messed me up. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk for over two years. All I could eat was milk. Man, it was, it was horrible. And then even after I moved from milk, they had to puree everything I ate down to a liquid paste almost. It was traumatic, man. Honestly, it was so jacked up for like the first five years of my life. I actually can't even remember anything about it. That's how, mess, that's how messed up my first five years of my life were. It's been a long journey. It's been a long road to recovery. But I can tell you officially standing before you that eventually I was able to move from milk to meat. Eventually I could walk and I could exercise and I could talk. And eventually I moved from the lesser things of life to the bigger things of life, the less more important things. Eventually, I was taught, retaught how to read and write. It was a long process, but here I am standing before you fully recovered. Today's sermon, I know that's stupid, but today's sermon is going to be about that. Really, it is that simple. When you give to your, your life to Christ, you are a baby Christian. You are an infant when you give your life to Christ. The process of growing in Christ is the same process we take growing up when we're born. We're born, we're fed milk. When you are born again, you're fed milk. You're fed the basics. You learn the basics. It's a process of taking the time to learn those basics in your faith. How to pray, how to read the Bible, reading the Bible. Those are basic things. Then as you grow in your faith, eventually you move from the milk to the meat. And then eventually, as you move from milk to meat, eventually you move on and you have to do something with what you eat. And it's time for you to exercise and to begin learning how to walk, begin learning how to run, begin how to, how to um, function with your faith. Our spiritual walk mimics very clearly our literal birth and our spiritual birth. They are very much close, uh, closely linked because of the way Scripture words some things. And I think God did it on purpose to make it easier for us to understand the process. How do we get from the milk to the meat then? How do we get from the basics of being born again, the small things like prayer and reading the Bible, how do we get from point A to point B where we're actually teaching people and we're the ones discipling them? You guys know that we take discipleship very seriously in Chi Alpha. I encourage discipleship. We, we promote discipleship. Discipleship is extremely important. And so the process of going from milk to meat is a process of discipleship. So if you guys want to be uh, follow with what we're going to talk about um, in Scripture, we're going to be in Hebrews 5 today. So if you guys want to turn to your Bibles, Hebrews 5, starting in verse 11. If you don't have a Bible on you or the Bible app on your phone, we will have it on the board if you prefer that. Hebrews 5, starting in verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. 
I feel like this information is so important. I want to read everything all over again. So Hebrews 5, starting in verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you in the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I don't normally read pieces of scripture over again, but I feel like there's so much information in here. I had, I had to do it justice and reread it. Because there's so much information for all of us in here. Whether you are an infant in your faith, a baby in your faith, or whether you have regressed back to infancy in your faith, or whether you are a solid Christian and you're beginning to exercise and you're trying to look what that process looks like, this information in here is such a good warning to us and such a good piece of, of information to keep us on the right path and keep us continuing forward so that we don't go backwards. And it is believed that Paul wrote Hebrews. And so I just want you to contemplate for a second as we read this, what was the point that Paul was trying to get across here? Take a second, reread it. It's on the board. What was the point that Paul was trying to get across? Answer it in your own heads. See, the problem with these Christians in particular wasn't that milk is weak and that milk wasn't good enough for them in order to do what they needed to do. The problem wasn't that babies in the faith can't eat steak. The problem with these Christians was that they weren't exercising with the food that they had. They weren't exercising with even the milk that they had. Verse 14, you become mature by practice or by exercise with milk. The problem is that the milk of the word is not producing a muscle of faith with these guys. The milk of the word is not producing muscle of faith. And the muscle of faith then is not producing acts of righteousness. These, this is how you grow from a baby Christian to a mature Christian. It's from the milk of the word to the muscle of faith to the acts of righteousness. So how do we do that? How do we view this example of a warning of, of not regressing and not just being stuck? If I could explain these Christians in a better way, these Christians were lukewarm. Scripture is, scripture is very clear about what a lukewarm Christianity is and how much God detests lukewarm Christianity. Lukewarm Christianity is so bad, God literally says, I will spit you out of my mouth. These Christians became lukewarm Christians. And so it's a solid warning. It's, a, it's an excellent warning against being a lukewarm Christian. Whether you've been advanced Christian or whether you've been a baby all along, this is a great warning 
not to get stuck in lukewarm Christianity. Because the last thing that I want for you guys is to be lukewarm in your faith. Because you are doing nothing with the faith that you have been given. And you are stuck on milk. So let's just say I were to make the greatest meal ever. Big, huge banquet feast. Phil, I've been picking on you. What is, in your mind, the greatest meal you have ever had in your entire life? I've used this example in here before, I think. Steak? What cut? We're going to get specific. Prime rib? How, how do you want it cooked? Medium rare steak. What, do you, what size do you want? What? No, no, what sides? Oh, this is a banquet. This is all you can eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, you've got like 10 of them coming. Corn, mashed potatoes and gravy. Do anything you want. Ooh, that sounds good. <laughs> Biscuits, ooh. All right, sweet. So we've got, so in here, I just lined a table just full of prime rib cooked exactly how you want it. All the mashed potatoes, gravy, biscuits, corn, just everything you could even think of. If that doesn't sound appealing to you, just imagine the most appealing meal you've ever eaten in your entire life. Maybe you're a vegetarian and you like salad. And I just lined the table with salad. That sounds so weird. But whatever that is, whatever that food is that is just like awesome to you. So imagine I just have this this table here and it's just absolutely full with the best food and you just gorge yourself. And it, uh, as soon as you eat it, you realize that it is the best prime rib you've ever had in your entire life. Like 10 times better than even like Texas Roadhouse could cook it. Like it is the best prime rib you've ever had in your entire life. And the mashed potatoes are just like clouds. They're just so fluffy and amazing and delicious. And the gravy's that like thick, like fatty gravy that's just, oh, just like you can't let it sit too long cold because it gets hard and marbleizes. Like that amazing, thick, just hot gravy. I know you guys are getting hungry, but you guys imagine this amazing meal. Now imagine just gorging yourself to a point where you just, like you have to, to unnotch your belt one notch because you ate so much, like, like, you've never eaten this much food in your entire life. Like, you almost feel sick, and you almost get to the point where you never want prime rib again because you ate so much prime rib. I know it's hard to imagine eating that much prime rib, but that's how much prime rib you ate. Like, you ate three small cows worth of prime rib. Like, you just depleted the city worth of prime rib. That's how much prime rib you guys have had. So just kind of picture that. So you binge so much you're obviously not going to be able to eat anything the rest of the evening. Let's say you go to bed, you wake up the next morning, and you ate so much that you can't even fathom eating breakfast. Like, the thought of food almost makes you sick. You're just like, ugh, I can't eat again. So lunchtime comes around. You ate so much for dinner the night before, you can't even eat lunch. Like, you're still full. 
Like you still can't even button your pants right. Like you have to wear sweats. You ate that much food. Your body's like in overdrive. You're sweating. It's just beautiful. (laughs) The next night comes and you're still full from how much you ate the night before. Well, and then as your body starts to kind of come off the food coma that you've been in, you just keep going with that. You just don't eat. You're just like, I'm good. So you skip the next day's worth of food. You skip the next day's worth of food. And then eventually you find yourself skipping the rest of the week. And by the end of the week, you can imagine how hungry your body would be after, even after gorging yourself and how full you felt on Tuesday and Wednesday. Eventually by Thursday and Friday, you're going to be pretty hungry. But you just have it in your mind that I'm good to go. And so you just keep going. And you just keep going and you keep going. And you wait until the next Tuesday because you know there's going to be food in here. And so you don't eat anything the entire rest of the week. How hungry are you going to be that next week? And you're going to do the exact same thing. You're going to binge on all the prime rib that you can imagine. And you're going to start the process all over again. That's exactly what we do when we 100% rely on a church service or a Chi Alpha service in order to get us through the week. Basically, we're doing the equivalent of binging as much as we possibly can of Jesus within this hour and a half. We try to fill ourselves completely full. We put as much Jesus in as we possibly can. We try to fill ourselves up to a point where we're bursting with Jesus and we leave here and we just feel satisfied. And then we starve ourselves the rest of the week. We go the entire rest of the week. So by the time you get in here on Tuesday, you're going to have to binge again. You're going to have to fill yourself up with literally anything and everything. And you're going to soak in the, the presence. But it's not healthy. That's not a healthy way to eat. That's not a healthy way to live your life. And within the spiritual world, within our faith world, it's the exact same thing when we rely on services to feed us. And we don't, and we don't have the capability of feeding ourselves. Because if we're going to take our faith seriously, we have to have the outlook like, I have to feed myself. I have to go throughout my week. I have to actually take the time to feed myself so that when Tuesday comes back around, I'm not stuck just leeching off of the pastor's words. I'm not stuck leeching off of the worship. I'm not stuck leeching off of the service. I could come into the service ready to go, and learn what I need to learn and come out of it with what I need to learn and be able to grow and exercise with that faith throughout the rest of the week. And perhaps even exercise at service at a Tuesday night instead of being so concerned with eating. There's opportunities even throughout the week to to be fed if you're not at a place where you're able to feed yourself uh, frequent enough or you're not at a place where you are comfortable feeding yourself, there's opportunities throughout the week. I mean, we have women's small group. We have a men's small group. There's church service on Sunday. There's Chi Alpha service on Tuesday. There's one-on-one opportunities with Courtney and me or your small group leaders. There's opportunities for you to grow and be fed even by us throughout the week. And we have to be doing that so that when we come to service on a Tuesday night, we're not starving and we're not unhealthy. Because in America, it's getting to a point in which 
everything is an advertisement. Everything is an agenda. Everything is something somebody else wants you to do. I mean, even Facebook is blowing up right now with controversies. If I say controversy right now, I guarantee 90% of you guys have already pictured one in your head that I'm talking about that is blowing up on Facebook right now. And I'm not even going to mention it because it's not worth our time. Facebook is blowing up with controversies. Every time, even Facebook, you can't even watch a 30-second video on Facebook without an advertisement popping up. Facebook is trying to sell you things. As you're scrolling through your news feed, there's sponsored posts. And Facebook is allowing people to post on your timeline a sponsored post in which you're scrolling through your timeline and you read it. You watch TV, there's advertisements. You, we can't really escape the agendas that the world has and the people around us have, the businesses even within town. I was listening to the radio the other day, and it was the nastiest, most disgusting, sluttiest advertisement that's, I, I don't know how to put it, like literally her name, like she said, hi, I'm Miss Slut or something like that, Miss Kinky. Like, listening to the radio, you can't even escape it. It's local. It's not just worldwide. This is a local thing. They're trying to, everybody is trying to get you to do something that they want you to do. If by Monday night, you're going on empty in your faith, and you haven't fed yourself, are you more likely to eat what the world is offering you? Are you more likely to eat McDonald's when you could have steak? If we would just feed ourselves, but instead we go on starvation mode, and then the first time the world outs us, offers us something so much worse, we just eat it up. It's time that we get fed up with the food that the world is trying to offer us. It's time that we get fed up with what the world is trying to tell us we need and the, the, the body image and the, the social image and the agendas that the world is trying to tell us that we need. It's time we get fed up with that and we start feeding ourselves as Christians. We need to feed ourselves and we need to be fed. Like I said, even if you're not feeding yourselves, be fed throughout the week. At least, at the very least, let someone else feed you throughout the week. And so that maybe you can get to a point in where you can start exercising and you can start getting to a point where you can feed yourself and feed yourself in a more healthy way. If you feel like when you read scripture, you don't get anything out of it, then you need to be letting somebody else feed you. At least for a short little while. Till you can get to a point where when you read scripture, you are getting something out of it. I've been there. I know that feeling. I know that feeling of just page after page after page, and you could just read 15 chapters, and you feel like nothing, that nothing penetrated your brain. I've been there. I know that feeling. That's a point in time in which it's time to go out and, and begin fellowshipping with other people, have conversations with other people. And maybe you'd be surprised at what you did actually keep in your brain.
Scripture is very clear that there is a war going on. Whether you like it or not, there is a spiritual war going on for your souls, my soul, everybody out there's soul. There is a war going on on this campus right now in the spiritual world. And even more so on a college campus than even anywhere else. There is a war going on. We can't be suiting up for war and not feeding ourselves. Because throughout Scripture, and I'm going to kind of touch points and move on here for a little bit. I'm going to touch on a bunch of points. It might be hard to follow. That's okay. It happens. But I'm going to touch on a few points, and I'm going to wrap it up towards the end. Throughout Scripture, one of the themes that I see is, is constant throughout all Scripture is, There's a pattern of God taking things that look absolutely disastrous. Things that just look totally out of our control. A war zone that looks like there's just nothing I can do. 3,000 students out here that don't know Jesus seems kind of overwhelming when Jesus is asking you to spread the gospel on this campus. It seems disastrous. It seems chaotic. It seems out of our control. God has a pattern of taking those things and making something miraculous out of it. God, so often in Scripture, takes things that look absolutely disastrous and making something miraculous out of it. And the thing is, we all want to see the miracles, but no one wants to be put into a position where a miracle is your only way out. Nobody wants to be in a position where a miracle is the only way to fix the problem. When things are going bad and things seem to keep getting worse and worse and worse, in order to go from a disaster to a miraculous or or a miracle happening, typically in Scripture it involves someone stepping out in their faith. Someone taking the step and exercising with the food that they've been given. And so now we're transitioning away from me encouraging you guys to eat. I think I hit that as hard as I possibly could, that point, I beat the dead horse. I beat it into the ground. You guys get how much I want you guys to be feeding yourselves. Now we're going to move into a little bit of conversation from taking what you have eaten and exercising with it. And what does that look like? Because there's so much more to this life than being content with our sin, being content with where we're at, being content with our struggles, being content with our faith, being content with our faith and where we're at in relation to how much we know Jesus. There's so much more than just being content with believing in Jesus Christ, studying scripture every once in a great while, and just kind of coasting through life. There's so much more to our lives than just waking up in the morning, going to class, going to work, getting done, watching Netflix, going to bed, waking up the next morning and doing it all over again. There's so much more to our lives. We need to be praying the big prayers. We need to be putting in the work to make sure that we're healthy so that when God activates our faith and activates our prayers, 
that we can even handle with them. We can deal with what God wants to give us. Because faith without works is worthless. Scripture says that. Faith without works is worthless. But if you take it and use it as a basic equation here, that also means that works without faith is also worthless. Works without faith is worthless. In the beginning, I talked about binging on food day one and then not doing anything to feed yourself isn't healthy. The same thing goes for working out. You can't just go to the gym and run a marathon, run five marathons, throw, run a Spartan race, do all this stuff, and just dominate yourself one day a week and then do absolutely nothing and just sit on the couch all the rest of the six days of the week. Your body will start to screw up. It will start to do weird things. Or at the same time, it's, it's not really beneficial for you to go in to the gym and only do bench and do bench seven days a week. You're going to start looking really weird. You're going to start jacking up your joints. Your legs are going to look like chicken legs, and you're going to have giant chest, and you're just going to look off. The same thing when we're exercising with our faith. We have to be active in our faith, and we have to actually be doing, <clears throat> doing things with our faith. When I was in high school, I was a wrestler, and my senior year, I was rated in the top five in the state, and I was working my butt off because I wanted to go for that state championship. I was putting in the time. I was putting in the effort, and uh, I actually was losing too much weight. I was to the point where my coach actually said, you need to be careful because you're going to lose too much weight, and you're not going to be able to compete at state. And so he said, start eating double lunches, start eating double dinners, start, I mean, even just eating candy bars, start putting in calories into your body because you're losing too much weight. And so um, I started eating double lunches. I would go across the street. I'd have a candy bar after I ate lunch. I'd go home. My mom, I grew up on a ranch. We always had steak and pork chops and lamb chops and everything you can imagine. We had food. And so I would eat like double portions at dinner time. I mean, I was just gorging myself. And by the end of the year, I was still exercising too much because, or not exercising too much. I still wasn't eating enough because I was still losing weight and I was still losing muscle mass. I was losing muscle mass, uh, strength, overall total weight. And I got to a point where I was losing so much weight that I was almost at a disadvantage with the other people in heavyweight because when I went into state, they were outweighing me by 30, 40 pounds. And so I was getting to a point where um, as much as I was exercising and even as much food as I was eating, I still was losing that weight. I felt burnt out. I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't eat enough food. Like I just was dominating food. And I just wasn't doing any good. Our faith can sometimes look like that. A lot of you Christians might have experienced burnout. We use that term a lot in the Christian world, in the Christian circle. I'm burnt out. I feel like I'm getting burnt out. This week, I feel, felt like I was burnt out. And basically what burnout looks like is when you're exercising your faith too much and you're not taking the time to feed yourself properly. You're not putting in the effort to feed yourself. And so this week, I personally, I'm coming 100% transparent. I didn't spend time with God the way that I like to this week. I kind of coasted off of last week. I didn't spend as much intimate time with God as I would like to throughout the week this week. And so when it came time to write my sermon, it was a struggle. 
And so my sermon is really preaching to myself based off of this last week. I didn't feed myself properly throughout the week. And so it was so hard to write my sermon because I felt burnt out. I felt like I couldn't do anything. I felt like I was 100% under my own weight and the responsibility of this sermon was all on me and I felt like I wasn't getting any help from God. That's what burnout feels like. If you feel burnt out, it means you're not feeding yourself properly. I wasn't feeding myself properly this week. So I took some time, I spent some time with God, I started looking at the sermon, I started figuring things out, and God kind of gave me a way in which he gave me a sermon to to preach. How easily the tide turned, even within my own sermon, in my own week, just, I mean, I'm your pastor. If it happens to me, I know it happens to you. I can see it in your guys' eyes. Some of you guys won't look me in the eyes right now. And some of you guys keep looking down because you know exactly what I'm talking about. You are feeling burnt out. It's okay. Burnout happens. You don't need to condemn yourself. You don't need to to feel guilty. You don't need to just sit here and pout about it. But start making plans in your mind. How can you spend more time with God throughout the week? Start creating an agenda in your head. How can I spend more time with God throughout my week? How can I adjust my days? What can I give up? Do I need to give up Netflix? Do I need to give up my phone? Do I need to give up something so that I can have that time to spend with God? Do I need to just prioritize my time better? I was a college student. I know how hard it is to prioritize your time when you're a college student. But maybe that's what it comes down to, prioritizing your time so that you can have that extra 15, 20, 30 minutes in the morning to spend time with God before your day gets going. Because no matter what struggles you're going through in this life, no matter what you're struggling with right now, I don't care what it is. It could be lust. It could be pride. It could be gossip. It could be time management. It could be classes. It could be work. It could be a boss that just is coming down on you. It could be a class that you're failing. It could be a job. It could be a lack of job. It could be a lack of money. It could be wrecking a car. It could be you need to get your car fixed and you don't know how. I don't care what your problem is in this world. It's so much more satisfying when we don't fix it alone. When we partner with God and we take the time, we put in the effort to partner with God throughout our week, doesn't matter what your problem is. It's so much more satisfying because the thing is, God fixes it the right way. He fixes it the way that he intends. It might look different than the way you think it should look too. Sometimes God fixes things in a way that doesn't look like we think it should look. I've experienced that more often than I could even imagine or more often than I could even tell you about times in which God fixed something for me and it did not look like I, how I wanted it to be fixed. But in the long run, it played out for the betterment of me. Because as humans, the most beneficial thing and the thing that brings the most amount of joy to us, the thing that brings the most amount of fulfillment to us is a passionate pursuit, a passion-filled pursuit of Jesus Christ. There's no accepting the worldly knockoff versions of it. 
passionate pursuit of Jesus Christ. And so why then was I settling for Facebook this week rather than Jesus Christ? Like I said, I'm being vulnerable. That's what I was doing with my time. I was on Facebook way too much this week. Why did I fill my week with Facebook rather than time with God? It doesn't make any sense. But rather than kicking my own my, my butt about it and feeling guilty and sitting there racking my brain around it and trying to beat myself up and trying to beat my, my thought process into submission, instead I'm looking forward to the next week. What can I do? What can I do to spend more time with God? Maybe first thing in the morning rather than at night. Maybe I can start bumping things later in the day so that I have that block of time in the morning to spend with God. Maybe it's being deliberate at night with my time with God, shutting off the TV, getting the living room quiet. Maybe it's going down to my office instead of doing it in the living room. What can I do? Because I feel like sometimes we are so content with keeping our heads above water and just surviving when God made us to walk on the water. Sometimes we're not even in the water. We're just sitting in the boat waiting for God to do it on his own. Because there is a way to break through this valley you're going through, this hard time you're going through. The way to break through it is Jesus Christ. And it is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's seeking Jesus Christ. It is, is how much Jesus Christ loves you. God's love is the answer to everything. I know it sounds cheesy. It sounds like a second grade Bible school answer, but God really is the answer to all of our problems. Can I get small group leaders and Courtney staff? You guys want to come up too? So what we're going to do now is we're going to have a little bit of time of prayer. Five, ten minutes. These guys are people who are willing to partner with you in prayer. If you've got something you need to ask, something you need to partner, some, somebody to partner with you in prayer, these guys are up here for you. So we're going to enter into a time of prayer. I'm going to put on some worship music and just find a place, kind of like we did last week in prayer. Find a place where you can get alone with God and spend some time with God. This week, though, I give you permission. If you feel like you need to read some scripture, read some scripture. If you feel like you need to pray with somebody, pray with somebody. If you feel like you need to pray for somebody, go and pray for them. This opportunity is yours to spend with God however God sees fit. Okay, I'm going to put on some worship music. I just want to encourage you guys, if you're feeling convicted tonight, and you feel kind of like, like a burden from God, and you're kind of like, feeling guilty about things maybe you have done or haven't done in the past and you're wanting to change that, I just want to encourage you, that conviction is not coming from me. My heart for you guys is 100%. I want the best for you. I want good things. I want success. I want to see you guys succeed in both school and in ministry and in your work life, in your personal life. All I want from you guys, all I want to see in you guys is success. That's my heart for you guys. And I know that's God's heart for you guys too. And so if you're feeling conviction, man, take it. Grow from it. Learn from it. But don't beat yourself up. The last thing I want for you to leave here is feeling like I beat you up. And then you go out and continue and beat yourself up. 
man, so if you need something, you need to change something, do it, change it. Start looking at how you can change out your time management. Start looking at how you can change out some things in your life. Um, Make those changes, but just hear my heart with these statements. Hear my heart that I want success for you guys. My heart isn't to beat you guys up and shame you. I don't, I don't like that. That's not, that's not how I roll. I don't want you to feel shame. I don't want you to feel defeat. I don't want you to feel beat up. I want you to feel encouraged. And so as you guys leave here, man, be encouraged that no matter what struggles you're going through, this next week is not going to be the same. No matter what burdens you've held onto your shoulders this last week, no matter what problems you've gone through, no matter what uh, scenario you've had this week that's made you feel beat up right now and feel burdened and feel convicted and feel whatever, this next week's not going to be the same. This next week will not be the same. Spend time with God. Feed yourself. Exercise your faith. This next week will not be the same. Man, when we take the time and we spend it with God and we feed ourselves and we actually put aside our time to enjoy God's presence, when we take that time, no matter what life has to throw at you, I'm not saying life's going to be perfect. I'm not saying that hardships aren't going to come. But when we've taken that time and we've fed ourselves and we're approaching the, the, the world, we're approaching life, we're approaching hardship from a place where we're full and we're in right standing with God and we've taken the time to enjoy his presence. And man, we just have that open connection. Man, no matter what hardships we face, they are so much easier. Because God gives us strength. He gives us courage. He gives us peace. He gives us joy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit. When we're engaged in conversation with God, when we're engaged in feeding ourselves, when we're engaged with learning the Word, we're engaged with a relationship with God, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are evident in all of our life, not just in the way that we display the fruit, but in the way that we receive the fruit. We receive so much more joy when we spend time with God. We see more joy. We feel more joy. We feel more peace. We feel more patience. We are more patient. And so this next week will be better. This next week's going to be awesome. Just going forward, man, this next week you're going to be full of peace. This next week you're going to be full of joy. I don't care if you're the grumpiest person in this room. If you take the time you spend with God, you enjoy his presence, you're going to have more joy than you wouldn't know what to do with in this next week. It's going to be a good week. Spend it with God. I'm going to do the same. Preaching myself. I'm going to take the time out of my schedule. I'm going to cut out my Facebook arguments with other pastors that I like to engage in way more than I should. And I'm going to spend that time with God instead. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to get closer to you. Holy Spirit, I pray your presence would be felt by every single student in this room. Lord, that they would not be able to leave this room without feeling the tangible presence of you. Lord, I pray for every single student in this room that as they leave here, they will be able to manage their time better and that they will have encouragement and that they will be encouraged enough to spend time with you, spend time with you, spend time in the word, spend time praying, spend time getting to know you. God, I pray you would give them abundant time this week in order to spend with you. Lord, if they're feeling like they're already overwhelmed, they don't have enough time in their day, God, I pray that you would give them time. I don't care how that looks 
God. Nothing is more important to us. Nothing is more important in our lives than spending time with you and getting right with you and then in turn listening to you. And so no matter what it looks like in their lives, I pray you will give them plenty of opportunity and plenty of time to spend with you this week, whatever that has to look like. And Lord, I just pray encouragement and pray joy and I pray peace on every single student as they leave here, that no matter what they feel convicted with right now, no matter what burdens they have on their shoulders right now, no matter what stress they came into this room with, that by the time they leave these doors, that that burden will be off their shoulders and that they will be able to lay it down for you. Lord, we thank you for what you've done tonight. We thank you for your presence, and we thank you for the fact that you don't force us to live this life alone. Lord, that you walk with us in this. So, Lord, I just ask you would help us to walk with you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Man, we love you guys. Every single leader that stood up, I promise you, we love you guys. We care for you guys. We want to see you guys succeed. If you need anything, hit us up. Shoot us a message. We'll have a one-on-one with you. We'll have a conversation with you. Coffee, video games, it doesn't matter. We'll interact with you guys. We'll have that conversation. We'll, we'll listen to your problems. We'll let you vent. I mean, whatever it needs to look like for you, hit us up. We'd love to have those conversations with you guys. You guys are dismissed. We love you guys.